we want to speak healing first over her. Lord, we just pray for Amanda. We pray as she sharing the word with us. But first of all, Lord, we pray for your healing over this throat in Jesus' name. And Lord, we just pray that as she stand here, Lord, that she stand for you, Lord. And Lord, all the glory belongs to you. I pray, Lord, as we hear the word, so we can be doers of the word as well. And Lord, we thank you as we've been doing the theme of Romans. Lord, it's tough. <laughs> and, but Lord, I pray that we can be able to leave this place not the same again, but be full of you. In Jesus' name, amen. Dave? We're going to read Romans chapter 14, uh, beginning to end. Great. Accept the one whose faith is weak without quarreling over disputable matters. One person's faith allows them to eat anything, but another, whose faith is weak, eats only vegetables. The one who eats everything must not treat with contempt the one who does not. And the one who does not eat everything must not judge the one who does, for God has accepted them. Who are you to judge someone else's servant? To their own master, servants stand or fall, and they will stand, for the Lord is able to make them stand. One person considers one day more sacred than another, Another considers every day alike. Each of them should be fully convinced in their own mind. Whoever regards one day as special does so to the Lord. Whoever eats meat does so to the Lord, for they give thanks to God. And whoever abstains does so to the Lord and give thanks to God. For none of us lives for ourselves alone. And none of us dies for ourselves alone. If we live, we live for the Lord. And if we die, we die for the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. For this very reason, Christ died and returned to life so that he might be Lord of both the dead and the living. So then... Why do you judge your brother or sister? Or why do you treat them with contempt? For we will all stand before God's judgment seat. It is written, as surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow before me and every tongue will acknowledge God. So then, each of us will give an account of ourselves to God. Therefore, let us stop passing judgment on one another. Instead, make up your mind not to put any stumbling block or obstacle in the way of a brother or sister. I'm convinced, being fully persuaded in the Lord Jesus, that nothing is unclean in itself. But if anyone regards something as unclean, for, them, for that person it is unclean. 
If your brother or sister is distressed because of what you eat, you are no longer acting in love. Do not, by your eating, destroy someone for whom Christ died. Therefore, do not let what you know is good be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness peace and joy in the Holy Spirit, because anyone who serves Christ in this way is pleasing to God and receives human approval. Let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and to mutual edification. Do not destroy the work of God for the sake of food. All food is clean but it is wrong for a person to eat anything that causes someone else to stumble. It's better not to eat meat or drink wine or to do anything else that will cause your brother or sister to fall. So whatever you believe about these things, keep between yourself and God. Blessed is the one who does not condemn himself by what he approves. But whoever has doubts is condemned if they eat, because their eating is not from faith. And everything that does not come from faith is sin. Amen. Worship team, this is going to be a bit different. We don't mind, do we? No? Good. Because... I want to start by proclaiming what is indisputable. By that, we're talking about things which are absolutely doctrinally what we believe and that unite us, the things that do not cause dissension. So we're going to sing, I believe in Jesus. And I would like you, you can stay sitting, but I would like you to sing these proclamations and declarations of our faith. Is that okay? Ah, what key is that? G. I didn't know I was going to be singing it from here. fabulous are they? I asked them when I walked in this morning and they, they did that. So these things are not in dispute. We know who we believe, we know who we serve, we know who we worship, and yet there is always somehow division in the church. I want to give us some context. 
Paul wrote to the Romans when he was staying in Corinth on his third missionary journey, or so it is thought. He was staying at the house of Gaius. He didn't found the church in Rome, nor did Peter. It's not actually known who founded it, interestingly. It appears either to have been people who were present at Pentecost, Romans, who then went back to Rome, or it could have been Gentiles who had heard the word and formed this church. However, when he was in Corinth, Paul heard about the divisions in the body of Christ at Rome. As it was, he was dealing with the Corinthians who were into all sorts of stuff which was unacceptable. Unlike all the other epistles, Romans is far more concerned with God than with other issues and a correct perception of God and the unity of the body. The word God is mentioned 171 times in the book of Romans, far more than in any other epistle. So this is an epistle designed to bring unity into the church. What we see here right from the outset is that there was disunity, particularly about what is termed matters of opinion, not doctrinal issues. We just remember, we're not talking about doctrine of salvation, doctrine of sanctification, doctrine of the resurrection. We're talking about disputable matters. One translation says disputable matters. Another says matters of opinion. Another one says trivial matters. To some people, they were not trivial. I want you to think context again. Rome was inhabited by people who had been worshipping a pantheon of gods. Remember that. Jupiter, Juno, or the Greeks called them Zeus and Hera. I don't know how many there were. There were lots of them. And they had been raised in this culture where they had to give food to placate these gods. That's what they had to do. They had to serve these gods. It was a form of incredible superstition, and it was a rule by fear. Then on the other hand, you had the Jews who'd been brought up in the law, who had been taught that only by righteousness in terms of the law would they receive salvation. Being half Jewish myself and having had a tyrannical Jewish father, I'm, I can understand that. Neither of those was correct, however. Jesus came with a gospel of grace. However, we are human, and in our humanity, we are very inclined to judge others who don't walk the way we think they ought to walk. Not so. Now, there are two errors, large errors. Jonathan Leach who was the apostolic founder of this church, used to preach to us about the narrow path, which is a path between legalism on one hand and licentiousness on the other hand. Legalism, thinking you saved by obeying the law. Licentiousness, thinking that because of the grace of God, you're permitted to do as you please. No, neither of those is right. We walk a narrow path. We walk 
by grace, through faith, and not of ourselves. Our salvation is the gift of God. I'm just going to throw scriptures out here. We all know them. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. For everyone who believes must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who diligently seek him. Faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Or the evidence of things hoped for, the substance of things not seen. Now, how do we make these calls? How, how do we decide what is okay about these trivial things, these matters of opinion, and what is not okay? I want to go right forward 2,020 years or 2,000 years into the current situation. There are issues in this church. Sorry, I'm calling it. There are issues where some feel we should worship in one way and some feel we should worship in another way. There are probably issues about clothing as well. We old bellies probably sometimes look at the youngsters and think, eesh. Okay? But there are much more serious issues. We are in a church. We are so privileged to be in a church which is a manifestation of the kingdom of God. As Alexander said last week, black, white, big, small, old, young, rich, poor. That's the kingdom of God. A homogeneous, middle-class, white church does not, and I don't mind who I say this to, does not represent the kingdom of God. Can I hear amen? It never will. Nor does a homogeneous black church in Embo necessarily represent the kingdom of God either. Okay, just saying. Now, with this cultural mix, with this diversity, there is going to be conflict. There are going to be issues which are challenging. People who come from a Zulu culture obviously have been brought up, and this is totally unacceptable, with ancestor worship. Now, where something conflicts directly with the word of God, that's intolerable. Okay, we don't tolerate that. We don't allow for it. We live in an era of permissiveness. We live in what is termed historically a post-Christian era. Do you know that? We live in an era in which the culture of rights and minorities dominates. I'll tell you something else that we can't accept. And I'm, I'm saying this with fear and trembling. Homosexuality, no. Sorry, we don't accept it. We love the gay person or persons. We love them. We do not accept their practices. Adultery. No. Why? Because this is our authority. This is not a matter of taste or in a trivial thing. Murder. No. Thieving. No. Corruption, no. I could go on. There are others which are not so obvious. Self-righteousness, no. Jesus preached more 
about self-righteousness than about murder. Do you know that? And it's self-righteousness that is behind this kind of prejudice. It's I know what's right and I should determine what's right. So some of the other issues that I wrote down, yeah, all these typed pages, which I'm ignoring, sorry. I hope, am, am I making sense? <laughs> uh, I'll get there, sorry. So in our contemporary context, apartheid, racism, I want to talk about this. We were raised between 1948 and 1994 by an iniquitous government which practiced a system in which people were deliberately, systematically, and legally separated from one another. I teach history, by the way, so I, ha I have to teach all about this, apart from having lived through it. We whiteies lived through it in a very privileged way. Old habits die hard. We have to get rid of racial prejudice. Sorry, I said I was going to call it, and I am calling it. It is not acceptable on any basis whatsoever. We know the scripture. In Christ, there is no Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male or female, and I'm going to add black, white, pink, or green. Class snobbery. I have to confess I'm guilty. My mother used to say to me, nice girls don't wear white shoes, Amanda. I'm not dressed as my mother would approve of today. She was an expert on you and non-you, what was upper class and what wasn't, you know? Okay, it's rubbish. It's absolute rubbish. That is something we have to get rid of. We have to be aware of each other's cultural differences. For a black mum, it's totally normal to breastfeed her baby in public. Totally normal. For a white mum, that might be quite a challenge. These are trivial things, and we have to tolerate and love, 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 love that brother or sister whose culture dictates differently. Differences in taste, what we consider to be good taste in music or bad taste in music or whatever. Days and celebrations. Now, this was relevant then and it's highly relevant now. We had a family come into the church and leave the church because we celebrated, not celebrated in that sense, okay, we observed what is contemporarily known as Easter. Now, if you know the history, it is to do with the worship of Ashtoreth. But the people who were observing Easter were not worshipping Ashtoreth. They were buying Easter eggs for the children in the valley to bless them while preaching about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. In other words, the motive, the heart, was correct. Do you understand? And yet this family walked out of Sarepta because we were doing that and because they believed that we should never use the term Easter. We must talk Pesach, which is how I'm inclined to feel as well. But we 
are to love our brothers and sisters who differ from us. What about clothing adornments, tattoos? Yeah, I have a thing about tats, I do. I have parents who bring their children to my house for lessons who are covered with tattoos and who are the most delightful people. And I've had to confront this prejudice in me because nice girls don't have tattoos either. Okay. Entertainment. Now be careful. What you put in, you've got to work out. Did you know that? If you watch violence, it's going to affect you in your soul and spirit. If you read or watch pornographic material, unacceptable. It is going to undermine your Christian ethics. Okay? A little testimony. When we were very baby Christians, 1980, we were, there were about 20 of us who'd come into Sarepta in 1979 as people in our mid-20s. And we went down to the invisible church in a whole sort of battalion of enthusiastic young people where Mally Duplessy and other people were leading at that time. It's now Glenridge. And an American pastor came out and spoke to us about listening to the wrong music. So we took our beloved LP collection. We were convicted by the Holy Spirit. That's the point. And we played Frisbees. We watered them. We wet them. We got rid of the lot in response to what the Holy Spirit had asked us to do. Not out of some legalism, but because the Holy Spirit did. Now, what does it mean to be weak in faith? This is all about those who are weak in faith and those who are strong in faith. It could mean someone who is newly committed to the Lord on the other hand, it could refer to someone who is struggling in a particular area, let's say with alcoholism. It could also mean someone who hasn't been receiving good teaching. It just could be someone who struggles in, in somehow embracing faith. Okay, so the divisiveness comes in when those who are more mature in the Lord judge the weak. Now, it's very interesting that Paul, in this epistle, equates weakness with legalism. So people who feel they still should not eat food that had been used or presented to idols... And what Paul is saying here is if that's what you truly believe, that you shouldn't eat that meat because it had been presented to idols, if that's where your level of faith is, you need to obey that because that's how the Holy Spirit is leading you to, to behave. If, on the other hand, you do not believe that because the Lord, with his gospel of grace, has matured you to a place where you actually know that the kingdom of God is not about eating or drinking. Walk in that privately. Keep your views to yourself. Did you hear that? Keep it to yourself. Don't 
go condemning the brother or sister who believes that he or she should not eat that because it was sacrificed to idols, because that's going to create division. The issue of alcohol, huge issue in the church. We have grape juice when we break bread. There's a very good reason for that. There are people in our body who have been alcoholics or who are alcoholics. I don't know if you can use the past tense. That means there's a vulnerability. And it would be wrong to serve wine because it would cause that brother or sister to stumble. Now, I can't survive my remedial teaching without having my 150 mils of wine in the evening. Please note the precision. The bottle has to last five days. Okay? I was raised by a dad with a wine cellar. It's, you know. But if I were to judge somebody who doesn't drink harshly and to try to dominate that person by presenting my view, I would be out of line, completely out of line. Likewise, if you, the weaker brother, because Paul seems to equate those who are more legalistic, feels threatened by my drinking, I should never open a bottle of wine in the presence of that brother or sister. Do you understand? Okay, we can't. We just mustn't. Likewise, if somebody wants to call Easter Easter, and I, I do battle with this. I have a niece who has Easter egg hunts in her garden for her children and so on. If someone wants to call Easter Easter and not Pesach and wants to have an Easter egg hunt but doesn't actually know the origins, because I'm sure she doesn't, Exercise love. What does the word say about love? Love covers a multitude of sins. We are called to love one another. We are not called to judge one another. I battle with being analytical and critical. Confession session. I do. Part of it is due to my training and education. We are not entitled to judge one another because we are all going to face a judge, Jesus. Now, all of those who believe in their hearts that Jesus is Lord and confess with their mouths will be saved. Yet, every single one of us is going to stand before the judgment throne of God. Every one of us. We're not going to be judged in terms of going to hell, losing our salvation. Our works are, however, going to be judged. And this is for 1 Corinthians 3. That scripture. I don't know, I showed you. It's the one about wood, hay, and stubble. Google wood, hay, and stubble, and you'll get it. Only in Sarepta. The preacher can't remember the verse. Have you got it? Hey, come on, guys. 1 Corinthians 3. 
Oh, is it there? Yes, thank you. No, no, it's not the one. I think it's 3 verse 10. Try 10. That's 11. No, go back to 9. Ah, <laughs> oh, no, I don't know. Wait, I'll look for it. But I'm going to lose my place. No. Hey, guys, I showed it to you earlier. Never mind. Um, I can't find it now. We all know it. We ho I hope we all know it. What is wood, hay, or stubble is works which we've been involved in, which are unproductive and do not glorify God or extend the kingdom of God. They're going to be burnt up. But works which are like silver or gold of lasting value in perpetuating the kingdom of God are going to be purified. And at the end of the day, we are going to be rewarded and given tasks in eternity that reflect the way we've behaved now. So if we are judging the weaker brother, if we are showing a lack of love to the weaker brother, we are going to face judgment for that. Do we understand? Because at the end of the day, we all face the same judge and every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. That's why I asked the worship team to sing that chorus, to remind us of what we actually believe. Okay. Also, what's the time? <laughs> I'm just about done. Yay. Maybe I'll sleep tonight. <laughs> Whatever you believe about these things, verse 22, keep between yourself and God. Blessed is the man who does not condemn himself by what he approves. We shouldn't be approving wrong things. Okay. But the man who has doubts is condemned if he eats. So if you genuinely have a doubt that something is godly, don't do it. Because his eating is not from faith, and everything that does not come from faith is sin. And the last scripture I'm going to read, verse 17. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but, we know, of, come on, righteousness, joy, and peace in the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well done, I'm going to bless you. <laughs> Thank you. Just, um, just want us to respond into that moment and say, Lord, if there's any crooked in way in us, search us, Lord, and know our heart. And um, the Lord knows us. He knows each and every one of you here. And I want to pray that we may repent. I like the way um, David Peterson, when he talks about repent, it's actually 
he says repent is not actually turning back. It's actually leaving it and looking forward. That's what repent means. And he actually even say repentance and revival. It will be people when they will be on the street, not flooding into the building where they're going to be wherever they are and say, Lord Jesus, I need you in my life. That's what repenting means. That's what revival means. And so I just want to pray a blessing. I say, Lord, would you search us in this morning? Lord, if anything that is not glorifying you in this name, I ask in Jesus' name that we ask for forgiveness and we repent. As well as the church, as the organization. Lord, if we haven't demonstrated you or if we have judged any other people out there, Lord, we ask for the repentance. Lord, would you forgive us? Lord, we need more of you. Lord, it's all about you. I like the scripture that says that in collisions, anything that we are actually, we, are, we want to fix our eyes on the things of above, Lord. Lord, we can we fix our eyes in you in this morning, Jesus. Thank you for this message. We ask, Lord, that would you challenge us. As James says that, Lord, we wanted not to just to hear the word, but we can be the doers of the word as well. And we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Bless you, church. I love you. There's a cup of tea just right here. And I want you to have a lovely, good week. And may the Lord show mercy upon you. Amen. Love you, church. See you next week for the AGM (laughs) and the word of God.